0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Philippians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my dear true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Unity, how we long for it, how we desire to experience it, how we wish we could witness it even in this society that we call these United States. Unity. On this morning, beloved, I would suggest to you that if the world is to understand what unity is to look like, it will be the church that will model that unity for the world to see and also for the world to take hold of. Join me now in a word of prayer. Loving and gracious Lord our God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be pleasing to you, for truly you are our source and our strength. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Hide me behind the cross so that you, Jesus Christ, and you alone will be heard on this day and even seen. Amen, amen. Uh, This letter that Paul has written to a Christian community is a letter, again, that is not written to individuals, It is a community that Paul has had a long relationship with, as I shared with you in a previous sermon. This community, the church at Philippi, is the first community that Paul founded on European soil. Paul is writing to this community for several reasons. First, he wants to offer thanks to them for their support of Paul while Paul was in prison. He wants to encourage this community of faith because of the persecution that they are experiencing. And Paul wants to remind this community of who they are. As followers of Jesus Christ, he reminds them to continue living as those who recognize that Jesus Christ is their Savior and their Lord, this Jesus who has all authority and all power, this Jesus, their perfect example. This is a reminder for us, Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, as we hear so many messages, mixed messages in society regarding who we are, how we're to behave, who we should like, who we should love, who we should not love, who we should live next to or not live next to. So many mixed messages. The text today informs us that no matter what labels others choose to put on us, no matter how people choose to describe us as members of the body of Christ, we are members of a faith community where Jesus the Christ is the head, where Jesus the Christ has all authority. In this particular text, Paul reminds us not only of who we are and whose we are, he also helps us to understand how we, as the community of faith, is to relate to one another. I've said it in other settings that if you live in a perfect world, that means you live by yourself. And even then I would have questions about how perfect it might be. We live in a place where whenever more than one person enters a room, there is the potential for conflict. Would you agree with that? Paul tells us in this particular text how we are to handle conflict within the body of Christ. In this particular text, we recognize that there are two women leaders in the church who are at odds with one another. It's obvious that neither one of them has followed the prescription that Matthew 18 lives out, right? That if someone has offended you, you should go to them. It's obvious that they have not followed that mandate. There's division between the two of them. And what Paul says to the body of Jesus Christ is whenever there is conflict, those of you who witness it, go to them. Talk to them. Remind them of who they are and whose they are. Remind them that as followers of Jesus Christ, there's a certain mindset that they are to have, and that is to be a mindset of humility. And let's face it, beloved, when we are humble, we're not concerned about making sure that we're right and the other person is wrong. We're concerned about making sure that whatever the issue is, it is resolved and peace, therefore, can go forth. In this particular text, Paul also tells us how we're to handle stress. I don't know about you, but it's easy to be overwhelmed by stress. And especially during this coronavirus, especially as we listen to and read the news of today, especially when we find loved ones and ourselves faced with situations around financial insecurity, home insecurity, employment insecurity. It's easy, it's easy, it's easy to become overwhelmed by stress. Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 4 don't be anxious don't worry about anything now someone would say uh, pastor Michelle are you suggesting that I'm to ignore what's going on around me am I to ignore my family relationships am I to ignore the stress that I feel whenever I go to school via e-learning am I to ignore the current work realities no No. No, Paul is not calling us to be oblivious to what is going on around us. No, Paul is reminding us of how we are to address those issues that come into our lives, those issues that have the potential of taking our focus off of where it needs to be. Paul says to us, when? Life comes into your world when life presents you with situations that can be overwhelming what you are to do is to stop turn not to the situation turn not to the people who are closest to you but turn to God keep in mind now Paul is saying To the audience, the community of faith, of Philippi, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, underline all, in all things, through prayer and supplication, make your petitions known with thanksgiving. So Paul is telling them, one, I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God about what's going on. And as you share with God your concerns, thank God. Thank God. Now let me pause right there. Paul is in prison while he's writing. Paul is writing to a group of people who are not experiencing the comfort of life. He's writing to individuals who are probably poor. Most of them were. Many were slaves. And few had the means of security that many of us may experience as security today. And yet he says to them, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your petitions known to God. So one, turn to God. Two, talk to God. Lay it all out. Hold nothing back. And three, thank God. Pastor Michelle, what do you mean, thank God? I just told God what's going on in my my mind, in my world. Yes, thank God. Thank God, because what you are saying to God is, I'm trusting you to handle this situation that I'm worried about, that I'm anxious about, that I cannot sleep at night because of. I'm trusting you to address it, because it's too big for me. I can't handle it. I'm trusting you to answer this petition To answer this request, knowing that the way that you will answer it will be the best for me, will be the best for the situation, because your best, holy God, is always motivated by your love for me. Paul is writing from a prison, facing capital charges. And he says, don't be anxious, because Paul knows that when we are anxious, whatever the problem is, it looms up larger than our understanding of who God is. When we become anxious, when we worry, we lose sight of the awesome, powerful God and the fact that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can even ask, imagine, or think. When we worry, we keep God from doing what God longs to do and that is to show God's faithfulness to us. Yes. Yes, Paul says, don't 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 worry Don't be anxious Turn from your situation and turn to God Turn to God talk to God and trust God Trust God to handle the situation in the way that is best for you because God loves you. Now, I will, I will just tell you, and there are many of you in the sanctuary today, and those of you who are watching us via live stream or even listening to us, you will attest to what I'm about to say. There are times that in the midst of the situation that appear to be overwhelming, and I gave it to God. I did not know how God was going to answer it, but this is what I did experience. And this is what Paul says in the text today. When you turn to God, when you talk to God, when you trust God for the situation, God will do what? God will bless us with God's peace. And this is the peace. I'll tell you, the world can't figure it out, it doesn't make sense. this peace that even in the midst of the storm we can say Lord I trust you this peace even in the midst of the situation that would want to cause us to lose sight even in the midst of that situation we can experience God's peace I I, I I come from a tradition that um, on a Sunday morning and and it may be a tradition that some of you are familiar with Years ago during the worship service people would stand up and testify Today we can call them glory sightings of what God had done for them in their life over the past week And when people would hear the testimonies they would automatically be encouraged because they knew well now if God did that for Sister Joy and God is no respecter of persons, then then God can do that for me. We don't necessarily offer up testimonies today but for many of us we have prayer partners and when we hear how God has moved in the lives of our prayer partners regarding situations that have just been insurmountable situations that would have caused some people to go home, shut the door, climb up into their beds, pull the covers over their heads, and just be there. We've heard how God intervened. And before the intervention was materialized, God blessed the person with peace. I have a dear prayer partner. We've been prayer partners for 30 plus years, and and honestly, the stories that she tells about how God has intervened in her life regarding loved ones. And I'll just share this with you, not, not divulging any confidentiality. But recently we were talking and she was, she was facing a new crisis regarding a loved one. And, and this was her comment. She said, I just told the Lord, now, Lord, I'm trusting you for this situation. I've trusted you in the past. And I'm trusting you for this. And then she went on to say, And Michelle, I'm not going to be concerned about it. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. I've given it to the Lord. Paul says to us, Trust God. You see, as we, as we trust God, we discover more and more just who God is. We discover that God is not sitting out there somewhere waiting for us to mess up, make a mistake, and then say, you're wrong. No. We're discovering, as we trust God, that God does love us. God does want the best for us. And here's the key. Never think that God and life are synonymous. God and life are not synonymous. God is good. Life is sometimes fair and sometimes life is not fair. But God is always good. So let me bring closer to our time as you read chapter 4. We see that Paul reminds us again of who we are and how we are to live as the community of faith where Jesus the Christ is our Lord. Jesus Christ has the authority within this community of faith, known as the church at Philippi, within this community of faith, known as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church. Jesus Christ is Lord. He has ultimate authority. i said to you before that as Followers of Jesus Christ, we, we do have two citizens. We have dual citizenship. Yes, we, we are citizens of these United States. We're also citizens of the kingdom, and we will abide by the laws of both until, what, until the citizens of this world, the citizens of the laws of these United States contradict the laws of the kingdom of God. And then there is no question. We will always be obedient to the laws of the kingdom of God. So Paul finally says to this to this body, whatever you do, think on those matters that breathe life into your life and the lives of others. Whatever is true, whatever is noble. Uh, Today, people are looking at and reading about that that is not life giving it's life taking if you were to ask me pastor Michelle what's a what's a quick way of discovering if what I'm reading and if what I'm seeing is life giving or life taking or not what, what's your litmus test well I have a basic litmus test and of course there are other litmus tests you can follow But but here's my litmus test. Does it build up? Does it strengthen? Does it encourage? That's life-giving. Or does it demean? Does it demonize? That's life-taking. What we see, what we hear, what we speak should build up, encourage, be life-giving. Paul is writing from a prison. He's writing to a community of faith. And he reminds them of who they are, how to address conflict, what to do about worry and anxiety, and how to remain focused. I'm not oblivious to the fact that in Louisiana we have residents who've been hit by two hurricanes. I'm not oblivious to the fact that in these United States, domestic terrorism is on the rise. I'm not oblivious to the fact that we have educational systems that are not producing Quality education. I'm not oblivious to the fact that we have healthcare systems that do not treat all people fairly. I'm not oblivious to that fact. And I would say to you, as the body of Jesus Christ, as the community of faith known as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, we are called to address those issues. How do we address them? We address them as a community that recognizes that Jesus Christ is Lord in full authority. We address those communities by recognizing that together as we address any conflicts that come up. We further strengthen the health of this community of faith. We address those issues by being reminded as a community that whatever would distract us from those issues, we are to talk to God about them and trust God for them. As we look at those issues, we are to be reminded as a community of faith that if there is to be hope for this world, where there is domestic terrorism, where there are inferior educational systems, where there are disparities when it comes to healthcare, It is the church, this community of faith in particular and the community of faith of Jesus Christ in general, that will answer that call and address those issues. And we will do that because we are living out what it means to be a community of faith that is united. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O Lord, for reminding us of who we are, a community, a body whose head is Jesus Christ, the Savior of our souls and the Lord of our lives. May we continue to go forth in a spirit of unity that will attract family members, friends, schoolmates, co-workers, and retirees to you. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray with thanksgiving, amen.